G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Going to be talking about the challenge that's there for every Christian believer this Christmas. The challenge to cut through the growing confusion about what's important in the festive season. Some will say there's a huge delusion that's created by the commercialism around Christmas rather than a focus on the greatest gift ever given. Because let's come down to it, the very first gift on the very first Christmas was the gift we recognize in the most popular Bible verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, And whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. So this Christmas, how do we overcome the confusion and the delusion and discover true belief? Some practical things to think about and to talk about you might like to contribute. Is there any real value in having a nativity scene in your home this Christmas? What do you think about and talk about around the dinner table with your family leading up to Christmas. How do we talk to our kids about the Jesus of Christmas and the appearance of Santa Claus? What about the songs we sing, the festivities we embrace on Christmas Day? And how do you keep the fun in Christmas while maintaining integrity for the truth of Christmas? Well, you can see it's a conversation that could go all over the place today, and I do want to invite you to join in the conversation. You'll be able to do that. Our special guest through this coming hour is Stu Miller, the trainer, the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu Miller, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be along. Stu, uh, let's just uh, talk about some negative stuff at the start because we are, as a nation, becoming less religious about Christmas, so therefore... Mm-hmm. The traditions that we might have held to that have brought about the truth of Christmas Mm. are somehow or other disappearing and certainly disappearing in a lot of families. What are your thoughts around how you sort of get a context for where we're at in Christmas? Mm. Well, it hasn't been a a, a radical change. It's it's happened over a long period of time, I guess, as societies change. And I, I guess the way people are viewing Christmas is a bit of a reflection on our society, which has become more and more secular. Uh, and so, you know, as, as society goes more and more that way, uh, there's a tendency to push away religious beliefs and, you know, basically turn something that that was Christian, Christmas, yep. <laughs> uh, Christmas, uh, into, well, let's just make it about families and good food and presents and, you know, tinsel and, you know, lighting up your home and all these sort of things. It's now become the norm and a lot of people don't give Jesus another thought. 
And isn't it interesting because the government is not on the side of the Christmas message because especially coming out of such a tough year, Mm. Uh, the economic recession that we've emerged from uh, technically, mm-hmm. uh, the idea that uh, let's get everybody spending so that jobs are created, that businesses are saved. Uh, mm-hmm. There's all sorts of really great economic reasons to really get into the spending up big type of feeling sure. at Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, all that has the capacity to feed this sort of commercialism and even the greed of Christmas mm-hmm. uh, at the expense of the true message. Mm. Absolutely, and of course, there's there's mixed feelings there with uh, uh, because we do want to see our businesses, uh, you know, recover, and you know, Christmas is a time of the year where it is a boom for for retailers, uh, and we want to support that. But at the same time, uh, you know, both of you and I are sitting thinking, you know, this whole commercialization of Christmas, it's not what it's really about. But it's that's going to happen regardless, Neil. It's just well, how do we respond to that, and how you know <laughs> can can we make a change? You know, uh, the, the interesting thing of of the change over time, like the frog in the pot. You know, it doesn't realise it's boiling if you put it into cold water and slowly turn up the heat, and eventually it boils and doesn't jump out of the pot. I think the same things happen with Christmas, and I, I think as Christians, because it hasn't been radical, it hasn't been like one year. You know, society just goes right. We're forgetting about Jesus now. We're, we you know it's happened over a long period of time. We've slowly been pushed out of of society and become almost irrelevant. Uh, And I think, well, the challenge is how do you actually change that? Because to be honest, the Christians actually did that to the pagan ceremony 2,000 years ago, didn't they? I mean, it used to be uh, another uh, ceremony at this time of the year, and that that pagan ceremony was there. And then Christians, as they grew more and more prominent in society, said, we're not going to celebrate a pagan ceremony. We're going to celebrate Jesus and celebrate his birth. And then they brought in this whole Christ mass and the mass of people celebrating uh, Christ. And so they took over and made a massive influence on their society in the early church as they were going out with the gospel and more and more people were coming to Christ and being baptized and the church was growing and and they made an actual societal change. They didn't... It wasn't just you know meeting in their own homes and it was a change for those people who were Christians. It actually changed society. And, and now look at the Christmas all around the world. I wonder, Neil, whether we can do the same thing and, and take it back off the secularists and say, come on, this Christmas is about Jesus and bring it back to its original. Well, I think that's an exciting prospect. Mm. And I suppose that starts with the individual and yes. it starts with a family. Now, you're an evangelist, Stu Miller, and uh, you love to talk about evangelism. You're the guy who'll be out on the street and you've got a tract in your pocket every time and uh, and you've got your uh, G7 app on your phone and you're ready to share the gospel with whoever. But it's becoming all the more important that your first priority in evangelism actually starts at home because parents who've got children and teenagers Mm -hmm. are finding increasingly that this secularism that you mentioned is actually engulfing their family and so Mm -hmm. you've got a family environment in which you've got to protect and you've Mm -hmm. got to keep the fun in Christmas and you've got to make those truths of Christmas just as real as they've ever been in your own heart for your own children. And that's a challenge, isn't it? And, and I guess that's the challenge every week at church uh, as we worship God, as we have communion to bring the, you know, because we're bringing the same message of the, the hope of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. And, you know, Christmas is about Jesus coming to earth, his birth, so that he could 
grow up and die for us. You know, his whole, he was born to die, you know, and, and that's, that's an exciting message. But to be able to package that in a way every, every week for, for communion and for church to, to share the gospel in a new and fresh way is sometimes challenging. And I think you're right for families. We're not only got that challenge of keeping that, that message fresh, we've got the challenge of an onslaught of uh, you know secular teaching at, in our schools for our children and the media, uh, you know, and movies and all the, the entertainment industry, all trying to say this is what Christmas is actually about. It's about loving your family, or you know, all these other messages that are coming through rather than the Christian message. Let me take a moment here, Stu, to just outline for listeners what the meaning of Christmas is, mm. uh, because isn't it interesting that uh, we might even miss that. We might have been Christians all our lives, yes. and uh, we can somehow think, oh, it's the baby in the manger, and uh, uh, yeah, 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 well, let's talk about that. And I'm just going to give us a little, in a nutshell, uh, deeper meaning of Christmas, and we'll, uh, and we'll begin to again talk into how some practical things might happen, yes. and uh, get your thoughts on, on those things and how they might work in practice. But, but when we talk about Christmas, we are talking about this connection of God to humanity. Sometimes mm-hmm. we talk about the incarnation. That's you right. know, we had sinfulness yep. entered the world. Well, the second Adam came in the incarnated birth of Jesus on that very first Christmas day. And it is a significant, the most significant event uh, that happens in the history of the world. God mm-hmm. makes contact. So That's right. So it is a significant event in salvation history. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the death and the resurrection, the ascension, well, it starts with the incarnation. God is here. God mm. born in human form. Mm. The word becomes flesh. Mm. The creator takes on the form of the creature. Mm. Now, just think about just how significant wow. that is. Yep. He envelops humanity mm. within himself. Mm. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in bodily form. This Mm. is Jesus. This is Mm. the baby in the manger who grew up. And even at the ascension, he retains humanity on his return to his rightful place in the Godhead. Mm. He has become bound to humanity with a Mm. tie that will never be broken. We can think that he devalued himself becoming flesh. You know, the idea of God humbles himself, becomes right. flesh. He devalues yep. himself. But essentially, he has used that opportunity not to devalue himself, but to elevate us in the assurance of our value in his love. Mm. I mean, there's just a little, in a nutshell, what yeah. we might appreciate about Christmas. and. That's uh, right. So just to, to deliver that, so when we're talking about how we're going to preserve these things and bring these things into our family, this is where it's challenging. I mentioned in the introduction, Stu, the idea of having a nativity scene in your mm. home this Christmas. Any thoughts yeah. around the value of a nativity scene for your family? Absolutely. And I, and I think uh, even broader than that, uh, beyond the family into businesses, if every Christian businessman put a, dis- a nativity display in their window if they're a retailer or, or even if they're a a tradesperson, you know, on their van, or you know, let's get the, it out. Let's let's have churches put big 
placards and, and you know, with the nativity scene, uh, you know, remember the reason for the season, something like that. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if, if every everywhere you looked, uh, when you're going around the city, around town, around, you know, when you're seeing cars go past, it wasn't just about the, the tinsel and the, you know, the, the, the what people seem to think Christmas is all about now, but they're going, hey, what's this nativity scene? What's the reason for the season? And people start to question what's what's behind all this and i love what you said there about the, the connection between god and man and and that's so important that it, it, that's why jesus was called emmanuel god with us you know the incarnation coming to earth uh, god doesn't you know uh, isn't unaware of what it's like to be human uh, you know he's not like distant in some far planet looking down and going oh you blooming humans he, he's been down he's come he's born as a baby he knows what it's like to be a toddler uh, you know a, a teenager you know growing up like you and I, and that's an amazing thing. Awe is the word that comes to mind, just as you're describing that, Mm. because we can lose the awesome nature of the incarnation Mm. if we let the commercialism overthrow, overwhelm our own family and the way that we want to actually bring this truth at Christmas time. Mm. Your thoughts here, Stu, because some people think that Easter is more important than Christmas, Mm. and uh, maybe if you're giving those priority, you might say, well, that's the one that uh, you know has the cross and the and the right. resurrection, but uh, yes. it's not very far removed as being no, you know no. up there with the most important events in history. Yeah, well, obviously Jesus' death on the cross, paying the punishment for every wrong thing that you and I have done wrong, paying the, the punishment for the sins of the world is an, is the pinnacle of, of history, isn't it? You know, it's it's our way of you know being forgiven having our sins uh, being punished for, uh, being paid for, so that we could be forgiven, have a right relationship with God. and But we can never have the cross without the birth. <laughs> we can never have Easter without Christmas. Uh, and Unless Jesus was born, there's no way that he can die and rise again from the dead on the third day, showing that he's God. Uh, we can't have that that possibility of reconciliation with God. Uh, friendship with the creator of the universe was only made possible because the creator of the universe came down in bodily form as a baby and grew up. And so uh, I, I wouldn't really want to rank them as one or two, um, but you know, obviously Christmas is immensely important because without Christmas you don't have Easter. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim, and we're talking Christmas. And how do you cut through the confusion and even the delusion that is upon so many today when they don't understand the Christmas story for what it really means? Because actually, it is awe-inspiring. Stu, when we think of Christmas and the baby in the manger... Absolutely, what an absolutely beautiful picture there is of purity in a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are your thoughts around the, the significance of thinking of the baby in the manger? Yeah, well, I think that that uh, to some degree the, the world doesn't mind the pictures of the baby um, because it's it's helpless. It's this little baby. It's like everyone loves babies, you know. Presidents kiss babies, you know. Like this is <laughs> this is baby is is uh, innocence and and that's fine, you know. They, they don't mind the baby. It's it, they don't they don't like so much the image of of Jesus on the cross, the bloody Jesus, you know. The, 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 that that's a 
that Jesus was born to die, and that's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas, but they don't like the transition. So as long as we keep Jesus in the manger, it's okay. But, uh, you know, I talked before about a a sign saying, Jesus, you know, remember the reason for the season or something like that with a nativity scene. Maybe, you know, it may be better to say, Jesus didn't stay a baby, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Somehow, again, we've got to communicate this message that he didn't just come to be a baby. He came to grow up, to die for us. There was a reason for him coming. so if we have this idea of the incarnation, yes. that God becomes flesh, if mm. this becomes a deeper understanding for the Christmas story, mm. then when we talk about J- Jesus the baby in the manger, we're mm. not just talking about Jesus the baby. We're That's talking right. about Jesus in all that he did. That's right, exactly. And I think um, for a lot of people, when you know, they're aware to some degree of the Christmas story that you know Jesus was born uh, you know, as a baby, Maybe, you know, there was a star. Uh, they've heard part of the Christmas story. But for them, the significance of the incarnation, the significance of why Jesus came is just not there. And I find, Neil, as I'm sharing the gospel with people and share, the, you know, how Jesus came to die and to pay the punishment for every rotten thing that, that we've done wrong and laying his life down for us. So that if we're prepared to make that commitment to turn away and surrender our lives over to him, if we're prepared to to trust him and what he's done on the cross, he can offer us forgiveness and eternal life. That message as a whole then makes sense of the baby. (laughs) The baby just in the manger doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, well, yeah, Jesus was a significant dude. He, he, you know, he, he's very significant in the world, and and we're celebrating his birthday. You know, but but once you understand the full message of the gospel, it all makes sense. I, I can see the penny drop with some people, and you know that they know about Christmas and Easter. But once you share the gospel and the significance and what why it, what it means, the penny drops, and they're like, and sometimes you actually hear them verbally go. Ah, it's like yep. I get it now. I get what the big deal is about. What you know? Why we've got an international celebration of about of some guy's birthday? You know, I see the significance because it actually means something for all of the world, for all of mankind. The, the the promise of reconciliation with God, the Creator of the universe. That's a big thing. A baby in a manger? Yeah, not so much. Well, isn't it interesting how the way a whole society can go, and coming back to what you were saying a little earlier, there's this sort of a secularizing of the way people will think about Christmas, and it becomes just a season of love. There's yes. that love word, which is, uh, you know, so wishy-washy in one form, mm. uh, so powerful in another. Even our definition of love uh, yep. really actually is part of what the Christmas season is about. That baby in the manger represents the love of God. Uh, God so loved the world, the world that he gave his only son. So... Mm. Love in a watered down form is about um, I like you so let's buy a present for one another. So yes. uh, and and so the whole commercialism thing kicks in and people actually go through the motions not not necessarily knowing what the love motivation actually is. Any thoughts mm. on on love and and how that maybe has been watered down in the modern secular form of thinking about love as a as a, at a season at Christmas time. Mm. Well, I think a lot of the, you know, our nation's built originally on Christian principles, you know, and, and the Ten Commandments, you know, our laws based on the Ten Commandments uh, or common law. Uh, and a lot of our Christian basis for our society 
we don't actually realize it, but we are actually uh, benefiting from the Christian worldview, whether we think we're secular or not, (laughs) whether you believe in God or not. And this whole uh, thing of love and even giving, you're talking about giving gifts to one another, you know, giving we we give because Christ gave himself for us you know we love because he first loved us you know that whole concept of giving and love is is a biblical concept and one that we're we're commanded to do love one another as I have loved you uh, that by this you shall know if you are my disciples if you have love one for another and so this this whole concept uh, is being worked out now when you do love someone and when you give to someone there's a feeling that you get that's amazing because you're doing what God wants you to do in the sense of it's a biblical principle and you get blessed when you do what God wants you to do. And so whether you're a Christian or not, there seems to be a blessing and a feeling that happens and people feel that and they want more of that. And so they, they enjoy giving people gifts. They enjoy that giving aspect and it's uh, because it's a biblical principle, but they don't in any way draw the connection between uh, the Bible and what they've just done. I know what you're saying because in some ways here uh, there's a hangover of these uh, yes. principles of generosity and right. we recognize the good feeling of giving but when we take the godliness out of that yes. uh, we actually don't necessarily know why we're having this good feeling of giving exactly. and, uh, exactly. and so and so yeah. there's actually I imagine there a little open door to be able to share yep. mm. into your family situation and into those wider connections that you might have in the lead up to Christmas yep. uh, how this message of the gospel actually makes that feeling of giving and generosity at Christmas time really valuable absolutely and if you take God out of the picture I mean and uh, to you know if you say he's not there all we are is matter we're just insignificant lump of atoms that came together by chance by random processes over millions of years from from goo to the zoo to you if, if that's your perception and, and God isn't there what benefit is it to, to give what benefit is it, is it to love or to do things random acts of kindness to people that you know you, you you're not expecting anything back from them because it doesn't benefit you at all it's like what's the point you know but it, it, there's more to this life than just chemicals you know we are much more than that we're made in the image of god we're precious in his sight he loves us he, he's given us, and we feel fulfilled when we love other people because that's the way he's made us. God is love. Uh, and so when we love others, there's a sense of, of fulfilling fullness that comes into us, whether we know it or not, whether we understand it comes from God or not. As you're sharing those things, I'm thinking the idea of having a motivation of giving and generosity that is, it's got its roots in God. This is it. God gave his only son, first Mm. gift, first Christmas. That's right. This is where the Christian motivation comes from. That's right. Do you know what? If you don't hold to that motivation, if you don't nurture that motivation in your own self or in your own children, your own wider family... Mm. All you're doing is being driven by manipulation because it's all about commercialism and who can sell the most products. That's right. Because this is a really big difference here. And I Mm. suppose if you want to get the most out of your Christmas, you've got to adjust that motivation to giving with a heart that has come from what God has done first. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it, uh, it's interesting you say that manipulation because there are some people who think, well, I, I guess I've got to buy a Christmas Christmas present for my brother because it's expected. You know, I mean, he'll be buying one for me, and if I don't, I'm going to look like an idiot on Christmas Day because I haven't got anything for him. Uh, 
yes. <laughs> you know, going beyond that and having that that uh, that 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 understanding of God's love and His giving, and we give because He first gave, changes the whole attitude. Doesn't Perfect it? illustration of what it looks like when you are being manipulated. Yes. Uh, I have to give because someone's giving to me. Yep. Not the motivation that comes from the heart yep. of God, That's which right. where it starts. Yep. Giving with a heart that is about love and yeah. generosity, whether or not I even get something in return. Stu Miller is our special guest. He's the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, there's a saying that is enveloping a lot of families, and it's the idea of saying happy holidays mm. instead of happy Christmas. Any thoughts around these subtle changes that actually can be so, so significant? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's what we were talking about before, about that slow change that's happened in society, moving further and further away from the the true meaning of Christmas uh, to a more secular, let's buy presents, let's, you know, the tinsel, the the uh, it, it's about your family getting together, it's about food, what you're going to have on Christmas Day, rather than, uh, you know, what is what are we actually remembering here with Christmas? Now, it's uh, sometimes a risky thing to speculate, and uh, but I came across a little interesting fact. And given that we've got changes in the world right now, and some people are saying it's going to be a Joe Biden presidency, and uh, you know the challenging, confronting things about that is that in the United States they've never really had a socialist yeah, government, government in control. Mm. And uh, when we talk about that word socialist, mm. that's like the overarching uh, philosophy that embraces all those things like communism, which we've seen around the world doing all sorts of destructive things. Now, I came across this little fact uh, about socialists. And, of course, if America moves socialist, you can bet that down the track we're likely to move that way too. And there's already some signs of that, even mm. when you've got conservatives in power. There's all these sure. socialist things that keep to uh, keep on creeping in. But here's a little fact that might, uh, that might uh, just uh, raise your anticipation of what is coming. Mm. The Soviet Union, until 1936... Oftentimes when we think of communist, we think of the Soviet Union. Well, until 1936, and there were certain other communist regimes too, they banned Christmas observances in accordance with the Marxist-Leninist doctrine of state atheism. Mm. So at the moment we talk about a growing secularism, Mm. Uh, that can become a state atheism. Then you've got banning Christmas altogether. In the 1920s, USSR, the League of Militant Atheists encouraged school pupils to campaign against Christmas traditions, such as the Christmas tree, and encouraged them to spit on crucifixes to protest against this holiday. The League established an anti-religious holiday to be the 31st of each month as a replacement. Now, there's all sorts of moves, as you know, Stu, Mm. to replace different days. You know, when Australia Day rolls around next year, there'll be all sorts of calls uh, to replace Australia Day and uh, move it to another time. There's all sorts of replacement things that people are pushing, pushing and pushing. What are your thoughts about the way that Christmas is being treated now, the possibilities, even as I've suggested, things could get worse. Mm. Well, we haven't got a, a government dictating that we're going to get rid of uh, the observances of, of anything Christian or Christmas, 
but we have got a society, a secular society, that's moving further and further away. And in, and just like what you said before about happy holidays, instead of people saying Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, they're saying Happy Holidays. And it's being seen today as the more compassionate thing to do because it's more inclusive and it's more you know, politically correct. But it's not about Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a deliberate and uh, you know attempts to move away from those things so it may not be mandated from on high but it's definitely prevailing in our society and we've got a we've got a cultural war on that we've got to either you know uh, we're either going to be apathetic about it or we're actually going to be proactive and try to take this back cuz once we lose this the, the Christmas element of Christmas, the real meaning of it, it's very, very difficult to get that back. And I don't know whether we, because it's happened so slowly over the years, whether we really understand the gravity of this as Christians, that we're losing our Christian heritage, we're losing our Christian, uh, you know, that the opportunity of, of sharing the Christian message, because it's actually culturally still appropriate to share the Christian message because it's a part of our culture. Uh, but if we lose that and it becomes completely secular, it will it will affect be banned not from from the government like in a communist regime, but because we move more as a society to, to be more secular. So we've got to make a decision: are we going to take this back or not? And we've got some ideas on on what we can do about that too. There's an antidote to yeah. that, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's fairly simple. It's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's actually just talking about these things yes. and. And as an evangelist, mm. you'll know that when you're talking about these things, yeah. it raises those questions in people's hearts and minds yes. as to what's real and what's not. That's right. Just talking about it, Stu. I yes. mean, this is yeah. a simple and yet profound way within our families and within yes. our, those wider connections we have in the community to be mm. able to have an antidote towards what appears to be heating up. Absolutely. Now, if you're a business and you're trying to promote your product or, or service, you know, you can do nationwide advertisements, you can do all these different things, radio advertising, all these things that really help to promote your brand or your product. But every business will tell you the best form of advertising they've got is word of mouth. And as Christians, that's what Jesus has asked us to do. And Jesus is smart, isn't he? When his last words was, hey, all of you, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Like, go word of mouth. Let people know the truth of the gospel. And as I was saying to you before, Neil, about when I share the gospel with people, that aha moment, that when the penny drops and they go, oh, this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate Jesus. It's not just because he's a baby. It's because he grew up to die on the cross to pay the punishment. And I think the antidote to this, like you say, is is engaging in one-on-one conversations and sharing the gospel with people so that then, then they understand the significance of what Christmas is all about and Christmas will never be the same. Well, listeners uh, responding on our Facebook question today, the question I've asked you to respond to on our 2020 Facebook post, what do you do in your family to cut through confusion and portray an accurate story of Christmas? Louise says, we attend church, the kids are involved in Sunday school plays and skits portraying the Christmas story. We read the Christmas story from the Bible. We use an Advent calendar Each day, one of the children reads a Bible verse leading up to Jesus' birth. We talk about it and we live it. I mean, uh, what a dream response that is from Louise. What are your thoughts on some of those elements in Louise's response? That's a fantastic response. And that's parents being intentional about really 
bringing the true message of Christmas and trying to to push off the secularization that are hammering us from all sides, media, schools, all sorts of things that, that are coming at us. And Louise, congratulations. That is a fantastic response. Well done. And I hope that lots of other parents that are listening will go, you know what, there's some great ideas in there that we can help to bring that true message of Christmas. Abby says, when we became believers, we stopped celebrating Christmas due to the pagan origins. But as the kids are involved with it for school activities, we celebrate it somewhat. It's not Jesus' real birthday, but it's a nice time to be with family, put up some lights and engage in evangelism in our local community. Uh, There's a few different sort of thoughts in there. What are your Mm. thoughts for Abby? Well, let me pick up on the evangelism part at the end because, again... That's uh, your bag. That's my bag. <laughs> but but I just think Christmas is one of the best times of the year to engage in evangelism because there's something about, hey, Merry Christmas. You know, do you know, do you know much about Christmas? Have, do you know much about the origins of Christmas? Have you thought much about these things? When we're engaging and talking about this, because there's a lovely feeling about Christmas. It's a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. And it's our opportunity as Christians to be able to actually engage the conversation. Now, some of you may not know how to start off that conversation or know what to say. And, and uh, we've got resources, if you want, on our website. Um, we've got an app called G7 that you can download. And I, when I do the G7 at this time, of the year, I, I it actually mentions Christmas in the G7 and saying this is what Christmas is all about, you know. And so people, again, you, you're 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 using that warm fuzzy feeling of Christmas to to talk to people about what the real true meaning of Christmas is all about. It's a great opportunity for us at this time of the year. Uh, there's a number of comments that have come through, and I won't read them all out. Uh, but people who are making some comment around Santa, and uh, one of those we just heard from, was saying, "Well, since we became Christians, uh, we don't." have a whole lot of Santa focus. And, uh, you know, that's that's a right position to have, mm. not to have a big Santa focus. But yep. you can't avoid have Santa. Have a big Jesus focus. You have a big Jesus focus. And, uh, and you can fit uh, Santa uh, with his historicity mm. into being a great Christian believer. And, of course, yeah, uh, the, the real Santa yeah. did, St. Nicholas. So, so you can't uh, completely ignore Santa. And some people try to sort of brush him out of it. Yes. Uh, that, to the kids, looks like you're taking all the fun out of Christmas. Mm. Uh, um, but there's a certain there's this idea of uh, keeping it fun. We mentioned a little earlier. What are your thoughts in here, uh, Stu? Because I mean, you're a family man. You've got a bunch of kids. Yep. You want to keep Christmas fun for them, and uh, you want to be able to keep the real meaning of Christmas at the centre. Absolutely. And I think um, again, you know, when we're talking about the, this whole thing of replacement, and you know, Santa's really replaced Saint Nicholas. You know, he was Saint Nicholas was the original story, uh, an incredible Christian man giving out gifts to, to poor children and all the rest of it. Uh, that's an amazing story and, and something that should be preserved, but it gets replaced, doesn't it, by something, you know, fantasy or something, you know, that isn't real, uh, you know, in the sense that um, yeah, just like the happy holidays, like you were talking about before, you know, replacing Merry Christmas. And, and I think we've got to tune our ears into what's going on in our society and in our culture and saying, you know, hey, we're shifting here. We've got to shift back to the true meaning. How do we make that fun for the kids? That's a big question. I think there's a lot of aspects of, of Christmas in general, the whole thing of giving gifts. Kids love gifts, but we're just going to make sure that when we give the gifts, we say, you know, bring bring back that that that. Uh, why are we giving these kids, gifts, kids? You know, just asking them some questions on Christian morning before we have our open our gifts. Why are we giving gifts? 
Who was the one that gave the greatest gift of all? What is Christmas really about? Bring it back to that true meaning. Then give the gifts and it's all connected. That story, the gifts are all connected. The fun is story. Food, uh, you know, <laughs> games, everything that we do at Christmas with the secular world, we can actually do as Christians, but link it into the story of Christmas. We we sometimes think of uh, the idea of Christian fasting, and uh, that doesn't always have a good feel about it, you know. <laughs> That's right. uh, but there's the opposite to that is the idea of Christian feasting, yeah. and uh, you know, talk about Old Testament uh, oh, yeah. tradition, uh, yeah. lots of feasting, and so as Christians, we can take on Christmas Day as a time of feasting and yes. make the most of it. Yes, there is some yep. uh, some extravagances and some yes. luxuries, and you you hope you've got a few extra spare dollars to afford those but yes. uh, so you've got this feasting time this is something to embrace but mm. it's the it's what you're celebrating that becomes important here a- a- absolutely I-, I love your thought there because uh, right through the Old Testament you know all the different feasts of tabernacles and feasts of this and feasts of that God instigated these feasts he wants us to to feast and enjoy uh, each other's company enjoy good food and and all this so God's the one that actually was the one that laid that down so I think sometimes in our minds we have this idea that you know if we're going to do Christmas right we've just got to sit around and eat some you know dry toast and and talk about Jesus all day <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be like yeah. that at all God wants us to enjoy this uh, but every one of those feasts in the Old Testament, meant something and every time there was a tradition of telling the story and I think that's uh, a, a big message for us today. Let's tell the story in our own own families. Make sure that we know what we're doing at Christmas time. And the challenge, I think, also, Neil, is is that it's okay if it's just your family, and maybe that's the first Christmas presents under the tree. Maybe the time to do that. But when you get together with wider family, where there's a mix and there's, not everyone's a Christian, it becomes increasingly hard to bring the Christmas uh, the Christian element into that setting. That's and, a challenge. and if you've had this lead up to Christmas in your own family, uh, you don't have to stop and pause for Stu's lecture on Christmas Day. No. You can, just as you said, yeah. ask the question, hey, yeah. kids, why is it important to give presents? And then yeah. let, let the them kids, tell the story. Let the kids tell the story. <laughs> yeah, so uh, wonderful thoughts there. Hey, um, let me talk about, we'll talk about Christmas carols in just a few moments. Yep. Uh, but first of all, let's take a call. Helen is on the line from Melbourne. Hi, Helen. Oh. Welcome. Hello. Um, I can't resist the urge to ring you up. I think you have a fantastic program, um, which I came upon by chance. And um, the problem of people not being Christian anymore, my daughter um, would rush out of the room if you mentioned Christianity now. And she's now in her 30s, and I don't actually see her at the moment. But this transition came through people and I think things she saw on the internet but she grew up uh, in actually Catholic believe it or not and um, my father was an (laughs) anti-Catholic so I know both sides of the fence and I know some Catholics are anti other people I've grown up with a lot of anti in my life but um, the 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 decline in the Catholic religion is incredible I don't know if you fully realize how much it's declined because they had a, a huge school system and they taught God created the world and um, that sort of slithered out the door Um, my daughter was a believer in that but she's also a believer in um, uh, creation 
creation, do you know their magazines, the creation yes, magazine? Yes, 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 uh, creation, yeah. yeah. We, su- we yeah. support the creation guys. They do a fabulous yeah. job defending our yeah. faith. Fantastic. Well, I I went down, because I'm not bigoted against people who aren't Catholic, I went with my friend to an um, Assemblies of God church, and I went with her for a few, quite a few weeks, and that's where I discovered creation magazines. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it when I read it. All these former atheists who are now Christians. And I I introduced my daughter to that. She used to read it every morning. When she was having her breakfast before she went to school, it's all gone now. And um, and in, 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 uh, you may not realize it, but at a very, very traditional Catholic church, there were priests there who really thought that magazine was fantastic. So it's some Catholics would say, oh, if it wasn't Catholic, oh, they wouldn't even look at it. But some of the priests were not like that. And I remember one of them said to me, oh, they do very good work. And I thought, I looked at my daughter and I thought, yes, they do. But it's all been destroyed by this, what you're talking about, this thing that has come in to the religion and it has blown the Catholic Church away. And when you mentioned Joe Biden, I've got to say, (laughs) I'm fearful for the world. He's a certain type of Catholic. Now, I'm not out to slander the man or slander anybody, but I have seen them in my life. They say they're Catholic but they don't really stand up for Catholic things. And um, one of the main things with him, of course, is he's not pro-life. And uh, God bless President Trump with whatever false people like to talk about him. He anyway, was very pro-life. Helen, we're getting into all sorts of different uh, areas <laughs> here now. But, uh, you know, I think uh, listeners all over the nation who'd be listening in and hearing your story there and with your daughter and how she's turned her back on her faith would be prayerful that there might be some breakthrough there and those seeds that have been sown even in her connection to those things that she's understood by reading things like creations magazines that they might actually be something that can bring a level of restoration but you know love your daughter embrace her and be so sensitive when it comes to how you do raise any sort of issue like that and maybe you just can't raise a Christmas issue on Christmas Day if you've Mm. got your daughter there and you want to keep that a family she t- together. She doesn't talk here. But before I go, and I thank you for listening to me, but at the local school which I sent her to, which was a state school, they were very Christian orientated. They had Christmas um, carols every year. That's all gone. Mm. And, and this is the state school. Yes, and you're oh, illustrating oh. in that uh, you know anecdotal evidence uh, those stories about what is happening in our wider communities mm. and yeah. why we need to continue to be talking about faith in our own family and then in those wider... Stu, your thoughts for Helen. I mean, she's just shared her heart and, uh, you know, good and bad in the things that uh, that Helen is sharing there. Sure, and and it like you say, even even in a situation there when when she has got some foundation, uh, she has got some understanding about what Christmas is all about. Still, she she's not wanting to talk about it today, and I, I don't know the the reasons for that. But uh, it just goes to show that we need to be vigilant as Christians to keep bringing the Christmas story out there. Uh, obviously, with sensitivity uh, and grace and love. Uh, in the case of Helen, we encourage you to pray for your daughter, and and we hope that she comes back to the Lord. Uh, and you know, we've, many of us have got family members in a similar situation that we're praying for. And you know, it's what what can we do at Christmas time? Um, obviously. You know, if there's an issue with Christmas, it may not be the best time to do this. But if 
for families that don't have the, an issue and there's an openness there, maybe you send them a, Christ, a Christmas card that has a, a gospel message on it. We we, we uh, sell them on our website, uh, you know, a little gospel message on the back, what's Christmas all about sort of thing. Uh, you know, it may be engaging the conversation, saying, hey, have you thought much about what Christmas is really all about and what it means to you personally? And Well, asking asking questions, I think, is a wonderful thing to be able to do. Uh, there's many things that you can do. Um, you know, we talked about before about signs with churches. Now, you know, unless you're the pastor listening here today, you may be a, a person in the pews going, oh, yeah, but I don't control the signs. But what if you went to your pastor and said, hey, you know, I think it would be great to have a uh, throughout December to, to Christmas a, a sign, get a really creative uh, way of sharing Christmas and bringing back the Christmas message uh, with the sign, make it well produced and say, I'm going to put, you know, $500 towards that or $200 towards it or whatever. I reckon a pastor would love to have someone come with a creative, ingenious sort of idea of communicating and connecting with the community and putting some finance towards it to help it to get it. And you may be the catalyst for getting that up on the front lawn of the church and for many people in society to see it. You know, like, be proactive this Christmas. Let's do something to, to change what's going on. Let me say thank you to Helen for calling through. And uh, we're just, we're, well, we've run out of time, Stu. I, yeah. I did say a little earlier uh, to you off air, it would be nice to just perhaps just recount yeah. some of those significant things about why Christmas is so, so yeah. valuable and why yes. we need to be talking about it. Let me just uh, close with a few thoughts there. Yeah, and coming back to. Uh, so I said earlier, uh, when we talk about Christmas, we're talking about the incarnation, the connection of God to humanity. It is a significant event in salvation history. When we talk about salvation history, you know, we're not only talking about the crucifixion and the ascension, we're talking also about the incarnation. It's an important a significant event in our salvation history. God born in human form. The Word became flesh. The Creator takes on the form of the creature. He envelops humanity within Himself. The fullness of the Godhead dwelling in bodily form. And even at the ascension, He retains humanity on His return to the Godhead. He has become bound to humanity with a tie that won't be broken. And we can think that he somehow devalued himself becoming flesh. We can talk about his humility. He humbles himself to become flesh. And sometimes people think that is a devaluing. It's not a devaluing. Mm -hmm. Essentially, he has elevated us and assured us of the high value that he imparts to his humanity. So when we talk about how valuable it is at Christmas time, when we get around the nativity scene mm. uh, that we're setting up perhaps alongside our tree, and that's an important element of how we actually bring this into our family. Mm. Stu, I want to leave you the last word. Uh, just how important is it to be ready to share deeper issues of your heart, of the story of your faith in this mm. Christmas season? I think this last hour has really shown how pertinent, how important it is for us to be proactive, to be intentional about shifting culture, shifting you know people's view of Christmas, particularly in our own families, but even in the wider community. And, and hopefully if you're feeling 
underprepared for that or you're not sure how you can do that, there's a, a number of things you can do. Uh, please get my app, the G7 app. Go to your app store and just type in G for gospel, seven for the number seven for seven minutes. And, it, you know, it's a great way. It, it's got an internal tutorial teaching you how to share the gospel. Use it this Christmas. The Hope Story Challenge. Dot com, uh, Neil, I meant to mention that before. Uh, you can definitely uh, do your own hope story, put it on social media. That's another wonderful way that you can connect at Christmas time. Wish everyone a Merry Christmas and say, this is what Christmas means to me. Put it on a video on your channel. Go, go to hopestorychallenge.com. Uh, there's more instructions there for you. There's many, many things we can do. Get a sign on your church you know, lawn. Uh, be proactive this Christmas. Let's change the world for Jesus. As you say, Stu, there's a lot of things, many, many things you can do. And mm. for most of us, it might be just choosing one yeah. and doing it well. Yep. And uh, and we've got to do something, though. Don't we've do We've got to engage nothing. the conversation, <laughs> don't we? Yes. Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim, he mentioned the G7 app enables your ability to share the gospel in a meaningful way from your mobile device. You'll be able to download that. Go to your app store. Go to find the G7 app, or you can get a link there at traintoproclaim.com. Lots of free resources you can take advantage of when it comes to sharing your faith. Mm. Stu Miller, thank you so much for coming in and uh, talking through these things, sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.